Hi, this is Mo. And this is Sarah, and you're listening to the podcast Bird Shit. We started this podcast to share our love of birding with other enthusiastic birders in the world. Hi guys, welcome to Bird Shit. It's Sarah and Mo, and we have been back from our Canada trip for two weeks now, three weeks? A while. Two, a while. A time has passed. Time has gone by, and we had a great time. We met up with couple cool people. So when we were in Toronto, we met up with Andres and Junaid, and they were awesome. They were two cool guys that found us in our matching t-shirts, which, by the way, you still hated, um, but that's okay. I like them. I did. I just am such a unique person. I don't like matching. You know, it really cramps my style. No, I didn't hate it. I just had, it was fun to give you a hard time about the matching t-shirts. <laughs> that I believe. It was a lot of fun. It's- uh, yeah, so we talked about politics and birds and bugs and like a whole bunch of other cool stuff, which was awesome. Um, kind of having that international conversation around nature. I was into it. I learned that we have fire ants in Maine, and now I'm kind of terrified. So You should be. They're going to catch you on your runs. They're going to catch me on my runs, and I'm a little scared about it. Uh, and then when we went to Montreal, we met up with Alyssa, who I found through the McGill Birders Group on Facebook, and she offered to show us around, and we got ourselves into some serious bushwhacking burden. Like, I still have a bunch of scratches on my knee, and I think one might be infected. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the lesson learned is, like, don't wear shorts when you go birdie, because otherwise it's bad news. Yeah, like, even if you don't suspect that you're going to bushwhack through a crap ton of stuff, um, you might. We really wanted to see that least bit. Fortunately, it didn't come out of the reeds for us, but we did get to see the techno park in Montreal, which is right near the airport, which was actually super cool. And Alyssa did an awesome job being a guide for us, teaching about all kinds of birds that we did see, and then also showing us the best spots to get a drink and brunch. I wish I would have gotten a milkshake at that brunch place. Oh my God. That milkshake was so good. It was so good. So yeah, Canada was great. We want to thank everyone, and we plan on definitely going back and doing some more birding there sometime in the yeah. future. Yeah, I was really surprised when we were talking to Andres and Junaid about how much cool urban birding there is in Toronto. That was awesome. They saw a snowy owl. I know! Two words, that's all you need, snowy owl. That's it. Yep. That's it. So if you're ever in Canada, don't forget to bring your binocs. Bi- bins? Binos. Binox? Binos. Binox, bins, binos. Whatever you want to call them, we accept all names here. Yep. Yep. This is not a binary binocular society. <laughs> <laughs> all binocular types are welcome. Get your bins, people. We also saw some sweet truck slogans on our road trip. Yes, we did. America needs to up their truck slogan game because Dude. Toronto and Montreal, like, well, I guess technically the roads between those places, um, but the trucks were... I couldn't understand who was writing the copy for these truck slogans, but they should probably either be fired or promoted. I can't tell. Well, this one, this one is just the best. It's the best is the least we can do, which like very clever, but like not what I would assume for a trucking company. It's like slogan inception almost. Yeah. The next one was if it's on time, it's a fluke and fluke was the name of the company, which is like, oh, that's cute. Har har. Har. And then um, we had, we're at your door the night before, which like, no, just come when I ask you to, please. I ordered you for a specific time. (laughs) And then my favorite, 
is, and I don't know if we got this right, so please, Canadians who listen, feel free to correct us if this is not correct, but geniusness is not a flavor. We claim it by our experience. It's definitely something that was not translated correctly. Yeah, because I, I can read. Yep. I, that's what I said. <laughs> there was a part of me that, like, as we were driving by, I was like, geniusness is almost such a word that I don't think I, I don't know if I've ever seen that word in print that I almost no. think I read it wrong. But then I was like, what else could it have been? Like Guinness or, no. or great. Like it couldn't have been greatness. Like it was not anything like that. Like geniusness, genuineness. I don't know. I, I think it was genius. Maybe it was genuineness. But even that doesn't make any sense. No. I remember being like, I remember being like, no, it's geniusness. Yeah. We read it. It's so weird. Yeah, uh, but I don't understand the flavor part. I think that's the word that's, like, mistranslated. Yeah. Because flavor, like, I would never be like, okay, cool. Unless, unless there's some, like, weird speak in Canada we don't know about. Do you guys use flavor as a weird term? Maybe it's an ice cream know. truck. Maybe it is. <laughs> it's just a semi-truck of ice cream. Maybe they sell, maybe he's transporting ice cream. Uh, uh. I still don't know what experience would taste like, even if it was a flavor. Probably bad. Every experience I've yeah. had that's taught me something has not been a good experience. <laughs> Every experience I've had is bad, so I imagine it would taste bad. Probably tastes like natty ice. Oh, oh, tequila. Yeah. And also, this one time I ate a lot of apple fritter donuts, and I didn't know I threw them up until I saw my sandals the next day. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad night. Yeah, that's a lot of apple fritter donuts. All I could do was lay on the couch and watch The Hobbit on TV. Like, I couldn't even bring myself to change the channel. It was that bad. I didn't even mute the commercials. That's a hangover. A hangover is watching The Hobbit and not changing the channel. I know. No offense. It's bad. Lord of the Rings I can do, but The Hobbit? The Hobbit? Uh, no, I wouldn't do it again. I couldn't I couldn't do it again. No, you'd probably be on your deathbed. Yeah, that would be the, the end of me. Speaking of deathbeds, <laughs> or death. Okay, um, <laughs> all right, we're going into it. That's, that's how I'm leading into our episode today about birds of death. Caw. Caw, caw. Because <laughs> the crow is... The... Yeah, because crows are murder. Uh, oh, yeah. look at you, girl. Uh, oh, uh, I see uh, what you do with that burp hood. Uh, yeah. So today on our episode, we're going to be talking about... Deadly, scary birds that have either maimed humans, killed humans, plotting to kill humans. Who knows? Who knows? And this kind of came about because we were talking about the changes they made to the Endangered Species Act. Oh, God. We're, like, so mad about it. We can't even really talk about it anymore. Like, it's it's old news. If you know, then you know that we're just kind of fucking up America in every way we can right now. So... We decided that since we as humans are clearly doing everything we can to make it impossible for birds to like, you know, thrive and live, we're going to talk about all the ways in which birds have gotten revenge on humans by talking about some of the world's deadliest and most dangerous birds. Shout out to the birds out there who are attacking humans because we deserve it right now and we're going to give you some cred. Do you remember that video of Trump like posing with a bald eagle and he like leaned into the bald eagle and the bald eagle like almost attacked him and he was like, ugh. I'm going to watch it every day until 2020. That clip's going to get a lot of plays. It is. Going to bump it up past Gangnam Style. 
<laughs> oh my god, Mo, if you still think that's a top video. It probably is still one of the most played videos on YouTube, though. I'm dead serious. That was an international sensation. There's actually, so I, I listened to this podcast recently called Reply All, my favorite podcast. Your, your favorite podcast, Mo? Yes. Except for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, everyone, just go listen to Reply All, apparently. Yeah, okay, don't listen to this podcast. Turn us off. Uh, They (laughs) talked about how Google used to have this problem called the Gangnam Style effect, which was that YouTube would always recommend videos with more plays than the video you watched. So basically all videos, no matter what you started watching, would end in Gangnam Style. That is hilarious. Yeah, so they had to fix the algorithm so that people stopped getting pushed to Gangnam Style. It's kind of wow. like playing Wikipedia's, like, three clicks to Jesus. Oh, yeah. It's That's just, a good one. It was an automatic algorithm that just directed you to, to Gangnam Style. Wow, I didn't know that. Yep. Well, no, you're probably right. Um, I'm going to say that video is probably going to be number in the top ten forever then. Forever and ever. Not that I know anything about Gangnam Style, except I can do that dance, but anyway. I'm not surprised. Like, we, you taught me Thriller at a bus stop. <laughs> I did. I went through a phase where I was teaching everyone that Thriller dance. Yeah, it was uh, It was probably a good use of time, considering we were. it was, like, winter and we were waiting for a bus. It was a good way to stay warm. Just yeah, dance, it was. Dance a Thriller. All right. My real favorite podcast today is talking about Birds of Death. Okay, thrill us, Mo. Thrill us with the first bird we're going to talk about. All right, so the first bird we're going to talk about is the cassowary. And we have talked about the cassowary before, after an illegally kept cassowary killed its, quote, Florida man captor. Florida man. Florida man. But the cassowary really does deserve a place at the top of this list. The cassowary belongs to the order Cassiliformes, which I'm probably saying wrong, but this order also includes the emu. And like the emu, the cassowary is a large flightless bird that can weigh up to 130 pounds, and they live in Australia and New Guinea. There are three species of cassowary, although some experts say there are six, and each of them have different races. The largest is the common or southern cassowary, coming in at nearly five feet tall. It has dark, shiny plumage, two red neck wattles, and a large head plate that looks super intimidating. However, the most frightening part of the cassowary is probably its innermost of its three toes, which has a long dagger-like nail that can reach up to five inches long. Dude. Yeah. That's a raptor. That's a raptor. That's a velociraptor right there. Just see those three little toes, and then you, like, from the movie when they're clicking on the tile when they're hiding in the kitchen in the first Jurassic Park. Yeah. Okay. That's a cassowary. They actually, they they were like, we could use CGI, or we could just use a cassowary, and they used a cassowary. (laughs) Yep, they just put a little coloring on them. Yep. They're like, go to town. Now you're a dinosaur. We would be great at special effects. (laughs) We would be be like, okay, what bird could play this legendary animal? What bird could play this dog? Um, maybe like a pheasant? Yeah, we just put a tail... Oh, turkey. Yeah, turkey probably could. Oh, okay. I guess it depends on what kind of dog, though. Penguins, maybe. Penguins are kind of... Oh, They got yeah. kind of dog-like qualities. Mm, okay. They can't play fetch, though. Now that we've solved that mystery. Yeah. The other thing to note about the cassowary is you really don't want to get in a race with one because they have been clocked at running 50 kilometers an hour, which is about 30 miles an hour. Ooh. Wow. So the cassowary is a super curious bird, but they don't really go around attacking humans for fun. They're far more likely to flight than fight, and far more cassowaries, unfortunately, are killed by humans than the other way around. Primarily, they are killed in car accidents. They must like hanging out by roads or something, or people drive too fast. 
Or it's for in Australia, and they are in the back roads, and they don't have any roads, and they're just running them over. So most of the issues that come with cassowaries attacking humans are in cases where cassowaries are being held illegally in captivity, such as the case was the Florida man that we talked about earlier this year, or instances where cassowaries are soliciting food from humans. My mind blew up a little bit when I read this. So the most famous cassowary attack on humans, which is also the only confirmed death in the wild, occurred in 1926. A group of teenage boys were hunting cassowaries, bad idea, and one of the boys was killed after a cassowary, jumped on him while he was on the ground, and slashed the boy's jugular vein with its long toenail. Holy fucking shit. That bird is metal. Dude, I told you, Velociraptor, he just, he like slished it out like a little knife, and he was like, and then went for the jugular. And the soul of that boy came back in the form of Chris Pratt and tamed those motherfuckers. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> my mind at least <laughs> you hear that chris pratt you're not actually you you're a former australian teenage boy who died at the hands of a cassowary sorry <laughs> okay oh if chris God. pratt is listening hi you can come find me in maine now but if apparently chris pratt listens to this if you're talking to him through our podcast you're keeping secrets from me what are you keeping secrets from me did chris pratt write his fan mail and you didn't tell me about it i couldn't tell you mo it was dangerous <laughs> It'd be dangerous to let you know. Yeah, I mean, he, he writes to us occasionally, like, on Instagram. He's like, ha funny episode, guys. Keep it up. <laughs> He's so nice. He's so nice, yep. Just the way I envision him. Wow, that's actually crazy. I feel like hunting cassowaries is not going to be at the top of people's list after that story. I would really hope not. Hopefully it was not at the top to begin with, but move it down if you're not just people. So since we talked about the cassowary, we're also going to talk about emus. The common emu is the only survivor of several other forms that were exterminated by Australian settlers, which is sad. Uh, it's the second tallest bird in the world after the ostrich. So sorry, emu. Hope we don't have a complex about that. But like the cassowary, emus are stout-bodied, long-legged, and can sprint at nearly 50 kilometers an hour. If cornered or threatened, the emu will kick out with their massive three-toed feet Capable of killing under the right conditions. Okay, apparently you just need three toes and you're like deadly. <laughs> three toes. Get three toes. Three toes and slaying hoes. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh my god though. If I was gonna have an emu wear like a jacket, is what it would say on the back. It would say three toed and slaying hoes. Would it be would it be a leather jacket or would it be like a varsity track? Jacket? It would have to be like a leather members only jacket. Okay, all right. Just make it sure. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely not. I think I'm gonna write a full song on that for the next episode. I can't wait. I'm already looking forward to that. It's gonna be a song. Uh so alright, going back to the deadly emu. So emus rarely kill humans, but they do happen to injure people quite often. Most of these attacks, like the cassowary, uh, take place in places where emus are being held in captivity, including wild animal parks, emu farms, and zoos, leading us to believe that the human victims probably did something to deserve being attacked. What is an emu farm? What? Oh, they're like, you know, farms where they have emus. I don't know what they do with them. I think I maybe people eat emu. But do they produce anything? They make eggs. Oh, okay. But I don't know. I mean, that you'd need a big frying pan to grill up an emu egg. I have so many questions. I'm going to rewrite every quiche recipe. Instead of saying, like, 12 dozen eggs, just do one emu egg. Go to your local emu farm down the road and get an emu egg. 
pick one up. God, this is episodes all over the place. But there are about 100 reported emu attacks on humans every year, almost exclusively in these captive environments. Well, feel free to cut out all of our glorious laughing and witty jokes, but I think that's what the people are really tuning in for, you know? That's what I'm here for. It's only my second favorite podcast, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the other podcast in the background right now. Okay, so now that we've covered those two, I'm going to talk about the Lammergeers. So this is German for lamb vulture, and they're also more commonly known as bearded vultures. So these bearded vultures inhabit areas of Africa, Europe, and Asia, and the reason these birds are making the deadliest list isn't due to its human body count, which is rumored to be one, and we'll talk about that later, but because it is the only known vertebrae whose diet consists almost exclusively of bone. Like, how does your body even digest bone? So I will tell you, it's not actually really eating the bone. It's Mm. eating bone marrow. So Mm. this bird specializes in eating bone marrow, and to accomplish cracking the bone, they carry the bones up to great heights, such as 260 feet high, and then drop them on rocky surfaces, thus splitting the open the bone to get the delicious marrow. And it reminds me of Hannibal Lecter every time I read the word marrow or say the word marrow, and I don't know why, but so now this bird is just getting even creepier. Silence of the lamb vulture. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, you are on fire today. I don't even know. I had a cup of coffee this morning. Oh, dude, that's it. That's it. You had a cup of coffee. It's only 12 hours later, but it's still flowing. It's still going. I Please drink coffee before every conversation we have. (laughs) Please drink coffee 12 hours before we talk. Please just set a timer. Um, As these birds are scavengers, they generally prefer to find decay of smaller animals, such as sheep, with small bones that are easier to crack. So... Let's go back to this one person these vultures have apparently killed, which um, was the Athenian dramatist Achilles, who is supposed to have died from an eagle dropping a turtle on his bald head, mistaking it for a stone. So they suppose that it would be a bearded vulture because they are the only known animals to drop things to get a food source. So with that, I feel really bad. For Achilles, what a way to go. Yeah, man. He couldn't even live to write about it. That's what sucks. No. And it's like, it's also rumored that later it was written by an, a humorist. That's not actually the way he died. But I think it's Humorous. great. I know. They're the worst. They are. Just making fun of people's deaths. Not like us at all. Now we're going to bring us back a little closer to North America. And we are going to talk about the barred owl. The barred owl gets its name from the brown barred markings on its chest. Very obvious. And this is the only native owl of the eastern U.S. that has brown eyes versus the typical yellow eyes. So this owl looks especially cute because it's got these big brown eyes. It's adorable. So when researching this owl, though, it was not adorable because several articles come up with the title, When Owls Attack, Barred Owls Attacking. And the wonderful Audubon title that's very straight up, and it says, no, barred owls are not trying to kill you. These birds, like all birds, tend to be more territorial during mating season and when rearing their young. Reports of attacks often occur in areas where these owls are nesting. 
While no serious injuries have been reported with these smaller attacks, a barred owl was the center of a recent murder case in North Carolina. Author Michael Peterson was charged with murdering his wife by blunt force trauma. While originally convicted in 2003, after eight years in prison, falsification by a key witness came forward and caused for the previous conviction to be thrown out by a judge. Now this is where the owl theory comes into play. With the defense stating the victim was attacked by a barred owl in her front yard and while under the influence of alcohol and drugs, ran into the home to escape the owl, losing her balance at the top of the stairs and falling to her death, breaking her neck. This theory, though, was not brought into the courtroom directly, and they claim the markings on the victim align with talon injuries of a barred owl. And also, at this time, there were several articles, like I mentioned earlier, coming out in the news because it was mating season for barred owls. The headlines may have uh, convinced this defense that this would be a plausible theory. He still remains free, Michael Peterson, and he, I think he would, like, convicted of manslaughter in 2011 as the same crime, but either way, he's still out. And either way, this owl is still free, uh, even though it supposedly may have killed a woman, inadvertently. If I ever murder someone, that's going to be my first defense theory. I'm sure my lawyer's going to be like, ma'am, no, it's not a good defense. And I'll be like, the owl did it. It was the owl. And he'd say, cassowary. Three-toed bird slaying hoes. Watch out. Hoes be watching out. Hoes beware. Hoes beware. Look in the air. <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> Even though most of these, the big ones aren't flying birds, but you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And also look on the ground. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're going to get serious about all these birds of death. All right. Get serious about the next bird, Sarah. Okay. The next bird, also in Americas, is the great horned owl. So this owl is a little bigger than our barred owl, and it is also known to attack humans. Similar to the barred owl, this generally occurs during mating season when owls are claiming their territory or protecting the young. And boy, are these birds scrappy. They're known to take on eagles, often coming out on top. So their feistiness and predation is so strong that when falcons were being reintroduced into the U.S., teams surveyed areas to make sure no great horned owls were present that would kill the reintroduced falcons. Dude, that is so awesome. Oh, my God. They also will claim nests from previous years that birds intend to come back to, and then they'll just fight them for the nest. They're like, no, bro. My house now. Get out. A recent attack occurred when a cross-country skier in Alberta was attacked by a great horned owl and left with 16 wounds on his scalp and quite a sore neck. The skier theorized it was due to the white scarf he was wearing representing a rabbit in winter, which would obviously be a tasty treat for the great horned owl. But I think this one's really interesting, especially because they are so aggressive. And this also this skier, bless his heart, he could just be like, fuck owls, I hate owls. But he's like, no, man, my bad. Shouldn't have been acting like a rabbit. (laughs) Should have been. Also, like, I don't know. I'm weirded out by, like, the idea of a white scarf. Like, wouldn't that be, like, really dirty? I know. Who keeps a white scarf clean? Yeah. I mean, he's in Canada. He's probably super classy. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I wouldn't wear a white scarf in winter. No. Especially now if I'm going to be in that great outdoors. I gotta, I'm got. i going to wear bright orange. Bright orange everything. Yep. Oh, wow. You would just be like a safety cone. Yep. Basically. One, don't want to get accidentally shot, which is possible anywhere. 
At any time. <laughs> any time. Oh, that's a sad note. And two, you know, I don't want to be mistaken for a rabbit. You know, any yeah. animals that are orange hanging out in the winter? Don't think uh, so. Nope. Oh, except for tigers. Tigers love snow. But then I'll be a tiger and everyone will be like, I'm not going to shoot or mess with that. Unless you're a poacher. Yeah. Well, this got quite. This got weird. Yeah, this got weird. Shout out to that cross-country skier for not hating on the birds and for taking the blame. Or at least trying to take the blame. It's very humbling. So next we want to talk about some uniquely aggressive birds who are not quite deadly and dangerous to people, but are definitely deadly and dangerous to other birds. So there are obviously birds of prey that attack other birds as a means of feeding themselves, but there are some lesser known deadly birds that we kind of want to talk about. The first is the loggerhead shrike. So the loggerhead shrike is a gray-bodied, black-masked bird. It's about the size of a robin. This bird prefers open areas in both rural and suburban areas, primarily in the southern and western parts of North America, although its range does creep into Canada a little bit. It's harder to find them in the north these days, though. They like to sit on power lines in the tops of bushes because this allows them to effectively scope out their prey. Their diet subsists of large insects, rodents, and small birds, but it has some uniquely carnivorous habits, definitely unusual among other passerines. So passerines, also called perching birds, are distinguished from other birds by having three forward-facing toes and one backward-facing toe. So it's not as three-toed badass as like a cassowary, but it's got these like three toes plus a toe in the back. It makes it easy to grip onto little branches and stuff. So it makes it easy for perching. So the Cornell Lab of Ornithology describes the loggerhead shrike as, quote, a songbird with raptor's habits. However, since it is a passerine, it doesn't have a raptor's nice sharp talons for grabbing onto prey. Instead, the thrifty loggerhead shrike skewers its kills onto thorns, barbed wire, fence posts, and other sharp objects for easy eating. It basically kebabs the shit out of anything. That is amazing. That is also very terrifying. Like, if you were just walking along and then all of a sudden you saw these, like, dead, dried up lizards on, like, barbed wire... I'd be like, what sick kid lives here that's torturing all these animals? It's a bird. It's a bird. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that one coming, but it's probably a loggerhead trike. The cool thing about loggerhead trikes is even though they don't have talons like raptors, they do sort of attack like raptors. Loggerhead trikes have a built-in projection on the upper cutting edge of their hooked bills. These points, called tomial teeth, help the shrike paralyze vertebrae prey by jabbing the spinal cord at the nape of the animal's neck. I am terrified. I love it. It's also super cool that they outsmart noxious prey like monarch butterflies and eastern narrow-mouthed toads. Because after they impale these animals, the loggerhead shrike will wait for up to three days before eating them, which allows plenty of time for the poisons to break down. Do you think this bird ever whispers in the ears of its prey after it stabs them and is like, I'm waiting three days for you? I really hope so. I really hope that it like always says like something super creepy to every prey that it kills. Oh my god, this bird is crazy. I know, man. What else would it say? What else would it like whisper to like other enemy birds or something? I don't know. Probably it's grocery shopping list or something. I don't know. I forgot the can corn. <laughs> <laughs> Putting tomatoes on the last. <laughs> well, Mo, do we have any more deadly killers? Okay, we got killers? one more bird. Oh, we got one we more got one deadly more. killer. Okay, one we more got deadly one more, killer. We got one more dangerous bird. Ooh, okay. This is the Australian magpie. Oh, my God. Now, this, back to Australia. So, 
You want to stay clear of the Australian magpie during breeding season. The Australian magpie is a medium-sized corvid, which is in the same family as crows and jays, and it is notorious for attacking any and all intruders during its nesting season, humans included. They swoop in from behind, pecking and clawing at someone's head, neck, or face. They'll chase people up to 300 feet away from their nesting sites, meaning that these attacks can last for quite a while if you're taking your sweet time getting out of there. Holy cow. So Australians actually refer to the time between the end of August and late October as, quote, swooping season, which is when the magpies are nesting. It's swooping season. Get ready, guys. Only 8 to 10% of Australian magpies swoop people. But even with that low percentage, there were more than 3,500 attacks in 2018 and over 480 injuries. There are a lot of freaking magpies in Australia. If only I guess so. 8 to 10% are causing 3,500 attacks a year, that's insane. Yeah, and man. only in like two months. Mm-hmm. They Damn. mean business. Damn. However, most magpies do ignore humans. If they do swoop, you'll likely only end up with uh, some scratches or some cuts. But there are instances where magpies have blinded people, which is super scary. That's also, like, really sad if you, like, showed up to work and you were missing an eye and someone was like, oh, my God, what happened? And then you have to be, like, a magpie. But also, maybe you shouldn't be at work. Like, maybe you should take a sick day. (laughs) Nope, one day. You, You lose an eye, you go back next day. That's how it works. Scary stuff. It's also worth noting that magpies do develop preferences for attacking a certain type of person, such as pedestrians, cyclists, children walking to school, or even mail carriers. What magpie is like, yeah, I'm only attacking kids from now on? (laughs) A real sick magpie. But part of it is because magpies have this really good facial recognition skill, so they're able to recognize other magpies and humans just by looking at their faces. So that's really bad news if a magpie doesn't like you, like if you're a child just trying to go to school. (laughs) But if they do like you, it's actually kind of sweet because they tend to recognize you. So Sophie the magpie is, uh, she's on Twitter and she's the most adorable magpie I've ever seen. And it's really cool because she's imprinted to her, I don't know, the guy who runs her Twitter. I guess it's like her (laughs) dad, mate. Like, I don't know. I don't know. The guy who runs her Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously Sophie the magpie is not tweeting on twitter herself no but i like how you set it up like she's imprinted on the guy who runs her twitter like (laughs) like she hired him and then all of a sudden was like yeah i really like him i'm really into this dude yeah great blind date (laughs) anyways you should check out sophie the magpie on twitter because her videos are super cute oh Obviously, there are, I'm sure, are other various birds of prey or even songbirds that are known to attack people that we did not cover on the list this time, but we hope you enjoyed our list of some of the deadliest slash most aggressive slash kind of just freaking creepy birds that are out there. Yep. Uh, that's all we got to say. That's all we got to say. So follow along on Instagram at Birdship Podcast if you want to see what we're up to. You can also feel free to send us an email. And by I say feel free, I mean please send me an email. Chris Pratt, I've been waiting for that forever. <laughs> at hellobirdshit at gmail.com. And even if you want to just like pretend to be Chris Pratt, like. We can just start tagging him in all of our stuff. <gasps> just tag him in every single photo ever. Oh my God. Until we get a cease and desist. Yeah. Be like, you need to stop putting this person in your your post but anyway he's not there he's not there and we're also on twitter except right now our account is blocked because twitter thinks we're four months old thanks sarah yeah uh so i thought it would be adorable to okay this is one of my dumber moments 
uh, to make us four months old because that's how old the podcast is. And then it was like, oh, you can't be under 13. And it didn't tell me that until after I changed our birthday. And I was like, so you think a four-month-old created this account? That is what's insane. <laughs> like, there should be some kind of threshold where, like, you have to be at least three, probably, before you're using Twitter or on the internet. But maybe, yeah. I don't know. No, I think you probably should be, I think, like, logically, you're probably about five before you can figure out how to do this. And yeah, no, it was like, you have to be 13. And I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, an infant made this account. Yeah. Clearly. So, yeah, I also wanted to change it for my real birthday so no one knows how old I am. <laughs> it was under my birthday. So I was like, oh, I'm going to change this and make us four months old. Also, how come it's not like, are you sure your account will be canceled? Right? It's just like, do you want to change your birthday? Are you sure? I was like, yeah, I want to change my birthday. It didn't say anything about your account being canceled. You know what I love? I love that, like, anytime you go on an alcohol site, it's like, are you 21? And it's just like, what 17-year-old is going to say no? Exactly. Are you 20? Well, I better be honest to this pop-up. No, I'm not. Yeah. Oh, man, they're 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 watching me. This is a long, drawn-out point to tell you that we have a Twitter, but it, I broke it. The point is, we're on social media, and we'd love to talk with you there. And send us emails, Chris Pratt. And keep your <laughs> eyes to the skies. Not to Chris Pratt. Yeah, Chris Pratt, you keep your eyes on the ground, because there's some fine-looking meat walking around. <laughs> But also look out for birds that are going to drop bones on your head. Yeah, be careful, guys.